Episode 87 of the NYYST podcast presented to you by NYYSportsTalk.com. I'm your host, Christian. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Thank you. And somebody that's had way too much pre-workout today, Stack Guy Rye. Hello. Hello. Uh, we got to get the. We really got to fit this show in before Ryan drops dead. He had like 10 scoops of pre-workout today. I took way too much of the powder. <laughs> I don't feel good at all right now. <laughs> but I'm here. You know what? Because there's no NFL games on. So <laughs> right. That's why he's here. But you know what? It's commendable. But I'm here. You get credit for being here. I'm giving you credit for being right. here. That's uh, we're recording on Saturday night. Um, you'll be hearing this on Monday morning. Uh, Joe Rivera, the Sporting News, is joining us in a few minutes to talk a little hot stove baseball, which apparently all his questions ended up being the Mets. So he tells you... Tells you where his legions are. Yeah, I know, really. As as you will we'll do a little spoiler alert here, as you'll f- come to find out, this is Joe's last appearance on the NYY Sports yeah, Talk Podcast. By far his last. <laughs> and, <laughs> we're having a little fun here. Uh, you'll hear the interview in its entirety in just a few minutes. Uh, hopefully, by the time this pod drops Monday morning, everything we talk about isn't irrelevant because a lot of moving and shaking coming up. Moving, shaking, everything. I'm liking it. I'm getting warm and fuzzy inside. It is the Christmas season, so uh, you can get it as warm and fuzzy as you want. Santa Cashman. What is he going to deliver under the tree? Is he going to deliver Pat Corbin under the tree? Is he going to deliver Manny Machado under the tree? You mean Peacock? K-Packs. <laughs> he already delivered K-Packs on right. the tree. What he delivered before we even had our Thanksgiving turkey was CC Sabathia. We signed CC Sabathia rather quickly. You say turkey weird, by the way, and I like it. Turkey. You say turkey. You get very giddy when you say the word turkey. Like four syllables in there. Say it again. Turkey. Turkey. You say turkey. I like it. Whatever, bro. You sound got... like a turkey when you say turkey. <laughs> I don't got time for this nonsense here. Anyway. The reason why we're bringing up CC Sabathia today is uh, I posted something on my Twitter Saturday. If the Yankees sign, uh, we already got James Paxton. Who am I thinking of? Patrick Corbin. I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. Because I guess they're because they're Patrick. You want to know why I get their stats mixed up? They're both left-handed pitchers. Yeah. They pitch for West Division teams. I don't know. You trying to be sounding like you're an authentic New Yorker does not work out. It's just you doing hey, a bad the wind the wind yesterday you're doing a bad impersonation. Tweet it. I tweeted it. So I did Turkey. tweet. I tweeted it earlier that if Corbin's in the rotation, don't get hung up on the order. But this is how I put it out there. You got Sevy, uh, Paxton, Tanaka, Corbin, Cece, right? And then I asked the fans. I said, "Is this a rotation that can go to the World Series?" Okay. I just I didn't give my opinion on nothing. I just wanted people to give me their opinion, give me their feelings on it, right? Right. Okay, so now you know this is Twitter, so you gotta deal with a couple of friggin' knuckleheads here that think they're funny all the time. Somebody said, Yeah, if they sign uh Bryce Harper, which I don't know what that has to do with it or anything. Uh is Bryce Harper pitch? What? So you were just asking asking strictly on the rotation. See. If 
if they make it that far, is this a, a rotation that can win you this division and take you through the postseason? Is this a divi- if Corbin signs with the Yankees and you have that five man staff? Is that a World Series caliber staff? Absolutely. All right. Well, that's all I want to know. I want to get the fans' opinion on it. And then I got people telling me about Bryce Harper. Yeah, but only if they trade for Corey Kluber. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Now you got six freaking starters. I mean, you know. Uh, then somebody told me that the Yankees shouldn't start their ace in opening day because, you know, why maximize the most the starts out, right. of, out of your best pitcher? That would be dumb. Uh, so then you got half the fans telling me that it is a World Series caliber rotation. And then I got the other half of the fans telling me that CC Sabathia is worthless and they'll never go anywhere with him as their fifth starter. And so that's why I want to start the show today talking about CC Sabathia as the Yankees' fifth starter. I don't understand what the hatred is a portion of his fan base has for this guy. Granted. Last year, what the Yankees ran into a little bit of issue with CC is that he needed to step up and be more than a fifth starter last year. So that's why you went out and got yourself James Paxton. That's why you went out. You hopefully you're going out there and trying to get a Patrick Corbin. So you don't need to rely on CC to be more than a fifth starter. Last year, but yeah, go as ahead. you yeah as you look this up because this is what pisses me off, right? Should the Yankees have had to rely on CC to be more than a fifth starter last year? No. But they did have to because they weren't, they didn't have enough, enough depth. When CC was asked to be more than a fifth starter, guys, was, did he live up to it? I'm sorry, did he? What, what, I thought he had uh, a well, good here's, season. Here's, I got the stats in front of me. Uh, the answer is yes, because he did. He did step up and he, and he was great. I challenge anybody listening to this podcast that does not like CC Sabathia as the fifth starter for the Yankees to find me a fifth starter that had better numbers than what I'm about to read to you right now. That you, I promise you, don't even waste your fucking time. Don't. Because you will not find anyone. CC Sabathia last year made 29 starts. Okay, so what is that? I missed two or three starts? Yeah. Approximately. Fair. That's fair. Over 153 innings. Not a lot of innings. You, you probably prefer and be around 170 but still not terrible no all right so as your fifth starter got pitched to a 365 era three not four six five which would have been fine but in my i still would have been okay with that not four eight nine would you have been okay with that anything, i would have been okay anything with that. under five right. for your fifth starter is uh-huh. pretty good read it again to me three six five three six five okay so in 29 in those 29 starts, 21 of those starts, the man lasted at least five innings. This is your fifth starter. Fifth. 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 You're not expecting length out of your fifth starter. And he still gave you 21 out of 29 starts where he went at least five innings. But you think that this guy as your fifth starter in 2019 is removing any chance of the Yankees winning a World Series. And here's an even better stat. What do you want out of your fifth starter to keep you in the ball game, right? Right. Absolutely. Okay. So giving up three runs or less would be keeping you in the ball game. In fact, it would be pitching pretty and goddamn well, right? Yeah. Okay. 23 out of his 29 starts, CC Sabathia allowed three or fewer runs in 2018. Yeah, that's the stat right there. And he and, and, and this is your fifth starter. But your, this is this is what Yankee fans don't do. Again, I've said it in the past. They don't know how to isolate things. They don't know how to isolate it. They see CeCe Sabathia in this rotation. You know what they think in their head? They picture him pitching in October. 
If CC Sabathia is pitching in a big game in October, they're relying on him for a big win. That's a problem. But that's not what we're talking about. We're mm-hmm. talking about building a rotation with him as the back end, with him being able to go on the DL for a couple weeks and this team not hurting. Plus, he's he's kind of like the perfect kind of guy you want as a fifth starter, a, a guy that rounds out the rotation. But maybe if they're on like a bit of a skid, he's the kind of guy that has a fifth starter could could give this team, you know, the kind of turnaround. You Absolutely. Know, that not a lot of fifth starters can do. That's why I don't understand why I keep hearing all oh, the Yankees are still in on Corbin and Hap. Why? Yeah, why it doesn't do make need, sense. Why do you need somebody to put in front of CC? You need better options behind him. If you told me, if you told me that the Yankees were in the market for Corbin and also possibly getting Kluber, which would kick, you know, CC out of this, I'd say I'd say I'm fine with that because those two guys make your team better, but I'm not saying Hap isn't going to be better than CC Sabathia. But you're not going to go out and spend a whole bunch of money on a guy like Jay Happ when you've already committed to CeCe as your fifth starter. Here's a guy that no one, some people bring him up, the more educated fans do, that I want to bring his name up right now, is Jordan Montgomery. Neither one of us, and it's that guy Ryan is probably included in this, makes all three of us, we're not expecting anything out of him in 2019. No. But don't you think Brian Cashman is expecting something out of him in 2020? Absolutely. So why are you going to lock up five rotation spots, and then what are you going to do with Jordan Montgomery? Because, you know, before the Tommy John surgery, this guy was phenomenal for the Yankees. He was the perfect fifth starter. He was amazing in that role. Plus, it would be three lefties, right? If you have, you'd no four. It would be Corbin, no three. Corbin, Paxton, Hap, and Montgomery. No, that's four right there. That's that's too many lefties pitching there. I disagree with your lefty theory because mm. again, the Red Sox had how many this this last year? But you still want to have a couple righties in your rotation. But the biggest thing is, I think the biggest thing with you Hap would still with Sevy and Tanaka. The but. biggest thing with Hap is the money. And his age. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you've already committed to CeCe this year, you're not going to handcuff yourself with Hap unless you absolutely have to. And if you're going to tell me you're getting Corbin right now after getting Paxson, you don't need Hap. Plus, don't you want CeCe here to, to yes. you know, get some of these yes. milestones and watch it? I mean, this guy's yes. been a, he's a Yankee. You, you think of CeCe Sabathia, you think of he's him a as a leader. New York Yankee. He's a leader. you got to give Brian Cashman a little bit of credit to not only trying to win in 2019, but having the foresight to look ahead at 2020. If he has plans for Jordan Montgomery going forward, why are you going to lock up all five rotation spots mm-hmm. when you just... Hey, CeCe, you know what? Right out this last season, hopefully we'll get you on a, on a parade float. In November, you go out a champion, and then you know what? I got Jordan Montgomery to slide right in here, take your spot, and I still have my four top starters. Two quick questions for you. Am I off base in saying no, that? No, you are not at all. all right. You are not. Two quick questions for you, though. One, did CC say this was it for him? 100%. This, yes. yes he said okay. This for him. Is there, isn't there like an official announcement that he would make, like a press conference where he officially announces it? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. That's not like that's not like a thing that he. I, I guess he did on his podcast was his official no, announcement. I, I, I guess like he, when guys like Teixeira and Jeter did it, they didn't have podcasts to go on. Mm-hmm. And say, you yeah, know, so I just I feel like, like I just feel like the press conference is more of uh, of an official. I, you know what? But he could also do it during spring training. Yeah. So we're. Now, I was just asking. I didn't know if those words definitely came out of his mouth. Yeah, he no, said he it on his podcast. All right. It. And my second question to you is, do you think Brett Gardner announces his that this will be his last year before the season uh, starts? 
No. I don't know. We'll get him on next week and we'll ask him. Okay, deal. <laughs> yeah, that's a question for him deal. to answer. It's definitely a question for Guardy to answer. Yeah, we can't sure. speculate on that. I agree. All right, so I just wanted to come on, open the show this week, do a little rant about CC Sabathia. Great open. I mean, Great open by you. Yeah, I, I think if, if people are watching that, or listening rather, than that didn't like CC being the fifth starter, I think your argument about Jordan Montgomery w- will convince a lot of people that it's definitely the right move right now. I don't know what was worse in the last couple of days. These people are the toe huggers. And now that Torres got not tendered by uh, the Cubs, now they're like, oh, re-sign toe. Toe can come don't back. Get pa- don't get Patrick Corbin. Toe's available again. That's that's how that's how crazy they are. So the Yankees announced that uh, before we take into the Joe Rivera interview, uh, the non-tender deadline was Friday. The Yankees announced that they are going to tender contracts to all their arbitration-eligible players, which includes former uh, NYYST podcast guest Ben Heller, which was kind of a little bit of a surprise coming off the Tommy John. Maybe we could get Ben Ben on a show before the season starts and kind of see his expectations for himself uh, going into next year. But the big one, which I am I'm so glad I don't have to hear about this crap anymore, is Didi Gregorius is getting tender to contract, which I can't believe people actually thought in, in their minds that the Yankees were just going to let him walk. Yeah. Would you do be a little inventive with him? Because I saw somebody bring this up. Offer him a two-year deal and see, you know, say, you know what, we'll pay you for we'll pay you for 2019 and then, you know, 2020, we'll see how you come back. And then we'll, you know. He no, wouldn't do that. Yeah, no, I'm going to stick with what I said when we were doing our keep him dump ems. I never thought they'd ever non-tender him. But I do still feel that he might not have a future here after this next year. So Cashman has gone on record as saying that he's. He hasn't actually discussed it with his players yet, but he would like to sit down and discuss long-term deals with Hicks, uh, Batances, and Didi, who all are in their last years of arbitration. Last couple things real quick. Do you see Batances signing a long-term contract with the Yankees before hitting free agency? I can't Honestly, I can't see that. Um, I think it depends. If, if they sign a guy like Odovino, is that, what kind of contract are, are, would we be looking at? What are these guys get? Three, four year three. deals. Okay, three twelve, right? You'd say no. Three, we get three ten. Ow. I Ooh, and what <laughs> and what what do you mean in in your mind for long term contract for Batanzas? Five years, four or five years. Oh yeah, I I do. If he has another year this year, like he did last year, you're not letting him go anywhere. No, but the Yankees would have to discuss that during spring training before he hits. Before he hits the season, Yankees aren't the type of team that's going to negotiate contract extensions during the season. So you'd have to sit down and figure that out before the season starts. Plus, if he had, if I don't he see has that happening. A whole nother year of pitching the way he's been. That's just he's going to want a lot of money. What's in his mind though? Does he think he's a closer? I think so. Then I he's think he's capable of being a closer. Maybe if he thinks he's a closer, he's never going to sign no. an extension. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't see him signing an extension unless he, you know, just wants to be a lifer. What about Aaron Hicks? Yes, him. I could see because uh, of the injury history. I could see him saying, "You know what? Just lock me up." Let's long-term see. Term let's I'm see if Frazier comes hurt. back healthy and performs because we got a guy in the minor leagues that uh, Cashman apparently is the greatest player Cashman's ever seen. So, is there really room for Hicks if? Uh, Frazier comes back healthy and really performs well. Maybe not. What are you talking about? Florial? Yeah. 
you don't know whether he wants to trade him or not. You don't know what the trade proposals are. You read, you know, you're on uh, on Reddit over there. But bro, you're telling me that it, Kluber could have been here uh, with Florial in a package with Andujar? Uh, apparently, and we've discussed this before. Maybe you should pay or attention. They, or they bit. definitely wanted Torres. They were asking for Glaber Torres. Oh, that, okay. But you I, trade, do you want to trade Glaber Torres? But I still think even if they asked for Florial and Andujar, he still would have said no. That's still a lot. I'm not trying to give away Florial and Andujar. No, together. not for what, a two-year contract. Mm. Nah. Uh, that's not something I'm looking to do. Right? Is that something you're looking to do? No. All right. So I think we covered the open pretty good here. Uh, still waiting on things to happen. Hap? Happen? Hap. No, no. I don't think that's going to happen again. No. But hopefully by the time you listen to this on Monday, maybe you'll have a little P-Corb in your life. Peacock. It's not his name. We're not going to call him that. Anyway. I'm definitely not. I might call him P-Cor. Cor. Corb. Sorry. All right. You need to lay off the pre-workout, bro. It's It has uh, recommendations on it for a reason. Well, He's not even sitting in his seat properly. He's like- I, had, I just had a Charlie horse, dude. Squirming. That's because look you're how, dehydrated from taking all that goddamn pre Look at how committed I am to this podcast. I just had a Charlie horse and I'm still here. He plays through the uh, he plays through the pain, people. Pain is temporary. Pride is forever. Pride is forever. Passaic Valley. <laughs> I don't think they're the ones that came up with that. But anyway, let's go into our interview here with Joe Rivera, the sporting news. Joe spent a lot of time with us he today. Uh, breaking down some hot stove stuff. Breaking my heart. Uh, along the way as well. So let's go to Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. And this interview is brought to you by Digsies.com. Now, let me tell you a little something about Digsies.com. I had some talks with the owner of Digsies.com, and I said, look, you are not going to sponsor this podcast unless I sign up and this thing really works, okay? What Digsies.com does is I I was able to go on for this past week, I purchased two game cards where he suggests his top picks. I got 10 suggestions. What do you think my record was? Well, if you were picking, it'd be 0-10. But since this is 7-3, and three. I would say you probably won 8-2. and 8-2. Wow. 8-2. and two. Okay. 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 So after that, I got on the phone with him. I said, you know what? I'm on board. We're all on board. Digsies.com is bringing you this interview with Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. Get off the bench and into the game. Digsies.com is your one-stop shop for sports betting advice. Will the Giants cover this weekend? Probably not. Okay. How many points will the Jets let up? Okay. 200. All questions that Diggies has the answers to, whether your sport of choice is the NFL, NBA, NHL, or NCAA, Diggies.com has you covered. Daily, weekly, or monthly picks on every sport. 65% winners day in and day out. Diggies.com is the place to go when you're ready to win. Use promo code NYYST to get a 10% discount on your package today. That's Diggies.com, D-I-G-S-I-E-S. Dot com. Back after this. All right, Chris and Christian of the NYY Sports Talk here. We have our good pal Joe Rivera from the Sporting News on to talk a little hot stove baseball. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Joe, how you doing tonight, pal? Man, I'm doing well. Uh, 
doing great in the uh, in the aftermath of uh, the Ronald Torres falling out. Uh, uh, Twitter's tearing itself apart. Are Yankee fans are Yankee fans feeling okay again now that there's still a chance he can <laughs> he can be in pinstripes next year? I am. I personally am shocked at the outrage. Um, I saw a tweet from someone I follow saying, "You don't give away this kind of talent." I'm like, we need to relax. Uh, we need to relax. The Ronald Torres dream is alive now that he's been non-tendered by the Cubs. But um, yeah, I understand he was he was heart and soul, but it turned into he's just kind of a mascot. So. Christian has had an aneurysm this week. I've been saying that for weeks now. Yeah, you've been calling him a mascot. Not, he's nothing more than a mascot. <laughs> that's exactly that. That is that is. You know, I mean, maybe it's a little degrading to say, but that's really what he turned into. Uh, I don't mean to be disrespectful that, to the guy, but you know, I'm not also not going to lie about how I feel about things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is, when you look at a guy like Torres, he really brought a, a kind of energy that and a kind of fun that Yankees teams haven't had in a long time. Um, so, so I can understand why Yankee fans are upset, but we also need to be, uh, realistic about what he is as a player. So, um, the dream the dream is still alive for now, but I think we're uh, overreacting just a bit. Just for people that were asking why the Cubs would trade for him and then non-tender him less than a week later, that was just as insurance for Addison Russell. And then I guess with the domestic violence stuff, they heard what they wanted to hear from him with the, he had the uh, apology letter yesterday and I guess that was good enough for the Cubs. So then they, uh, they decided they didn't need to raise anymore. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, listen, a guy like Torres, obviously talent, there's a certain level of talent being able to come off the bench and, and hit the way he did hit near 300. But at the same time, um, guys like Torres are kind of a dime a dozen. I mean, he's a utility guy. Let's be honest. He, was never a great defender by the advanced analytics. Um, obviously, he, he always did what was asked of him, but um, those kind of players, and, and especially in a market where Ben Zobris might be available via trade, Marwin Gonzalez is on the market now, Wilmer Flores is on the market now, and those guys are all better hitters than, than Torres is. So uh, we'll see if the Yankees can fill the void. I'm sure that they have options in-house that they're looking at too, but... Um, he, he was never really that guy that really kept them together, and I really think the Yankees fans should be upset about it. All right, Joe. We've got you on here to talk about uh, some hot stove baseball here. The winter meetings are uh, about a week away. We're recording Saturday night, so when this pod drops on Monday morning, God only knows what might happen. So we're talking in real time here. Uh, as of right now, the Robinson Cano to the Mets deal is not done. They're still working on... Uh, particulars, money, you know, Cano waving is no trade clause, whatever. But as of it stands right now, it seems like Cano and somewhere around $20 million along with closer Edwin Diaz are going to the Mets for prospects, uh, Jay Bruce and uh, Anthony Swarzak. How does this deal make sense from the Mets perspective? Well, listen, anytime, uh, anytime you can bring in a former Yankee legend, I think that's a good thing for the Mets really. Uh, But, um, you know, it, it, I, that's a good question, but I think we still have to wait to see what the money's going to be. I've heard as little uh, as $20 million and as much as $50 million that the Mariners are sending to the Mets uh, to cover part of that Cano contract. So it really depends how much they're going to kick in. Honestly, um, you know, a guy like Jay Bruce, I always like Jay Bruce. He obviously had a very down year between injuries and, and just general ineffectiveness. He's 32 now, I want to say, so he's not too old, but you get to dump his contract. He's making $28 million over the next two years, $14 million a year. Anthony Swarzak had a disastrous first year with the Mets. He's making $8.5 million. Uh, and when he's on, he's a pretty good reliever. I mean, he's not great, but... He wasn't for the uh, Yankees. And, 
Yeah, he wasn't for the Yankees, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're looking at a name in Robinson Cano. He's a guy, he hit over 300, he hit 314 after he came back from the PED suspension in 41 games. So uh, he could still hit, and I think that helps them in that lineup, especially with nobody really knowing uh, what Cespedes is going to be doing when he gets back. I mean, is he going to be golfing? Is he going to be playing well? I mean, who, who really knows what Cespedes at this point? But it does give them another big bopper in that lineup when that deal goes through. I think it's just all but a sure thing at this point that that deal is going to happen, uh, depending on money, too. But uh, I think it, it does make sense to the Mets. and everybody's getting a little upset about Jared Kalenic. And the thing about Kalenic is all prospects, and I've said this before on the show, guys, all prospects are suspects until they prove otherwise, right? And this is a guy that's still way, way, way away from being any kind of impact player in Major League Baseball. And if he is the difference in a trade, and I understand the Mets fans are upset um, about giving away a potential, uh, potential star like him, but at the same time, if he's a way away and you can get a guy like Robinson Cano for like $14 million a year, even though he's got five years left and he's 36, he can still hit, he's still a name. So I think it helps them. I mean, it's, it's in my, in my, uh, in my, on my grading scale, I'd have to say that's around a C plus deal for them. It's, it's right around average. It won't excite you, but it, it'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I think it certainly can help them. All right. If the Mets are going to deal, which we all believe that it's going to happen, you know, Anytime in the next couple of days now, they're just, you know, trying to cross the uh, T's and dot the I's. If you're going to make a deal to bring in a 36-year-old Robinson Cano and get a guy like Edwin Diaz to put it at the back of your bullpen, that seems like a win-now move for the Mets. So, which segues into my next question. Are the Mets really considering trading Noah Syndergaard? And would it be for prospects? Because that they kind of counterbalance each other in the sense that, uh, that's not the word I wanted, but you understand what I'm trying to say. That if you're getting Cano, that's a win now. But if you're going to trade Noah Syndergaard for prospects, that's a rebuilding move. Is that something the Mets are really looking into doing? Yeah, I mean that that was a report uh, that the Mets would really have to be blown away uh, in order to to trade Syndergaard. So we'll see what that really means. Uh, but yeah, you're 100 percent right. I think that um, trading Noah at this stage, especially if this deal goes through, is a major mistake. Um, if they want to win now. Uh, and I think, you know, people laugh, but I really do think the Mets have a better team than a lot of people give them credit for. They need to sort out the injuries. I think everybody knows that. But they have a young core that's actually pretty good. Brandon Nimmo's a good player. He's a solid player, everyday guy. We saw what he did last year. He surprised a lot of people. Michael Conforto was good, even though he's been inconsistent. Ahmed Rosario, you expect to take that next step. And then you have three guys at the top of the rotation between Syndergaard, DeGrom, and Zach Wheeler, who really came on last year. And I think that that's a pretty formidable core. And then you add in Cano, who's probably going to split time with Jeff McNeil at second or maybe even play a little first base. I think that's a pretty solid lineup. Obviously, they have to they have to sort out third base. But I think if you trade Syndergaard, uh, like you mentioned, Christian, I, it, it really doesn't make sense because then you don't have that those three guys at the top of the rotation that you really need, especially if you're looking at playoffs, if you're looking at winning this division. Um, or even challenging for a wild card, uh, it doesn't really make sense. So uh, I think that they're going to wait and see how it play, how the season plays out. If they're out of it totally at the trade deadline this year, uh, next season, then I think that uh, Syndergaard will probably be on the block. Um, I think he'll go for prospects. And then you'll still have DeGrom for another uh, year of control after that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a little strange to hear that they're potentially shopping Syndergaard, but 
if there's a really big package that comes along that they really just can't say no to, maybe to a team like San Diego, who has been looking for a top of the rotation type guy for a while, and they just can't say no, then um, maybe they'll they'll sign off on that. But I do think I agree that it would be a dumb move that counteraction they're trying to do. So let me ask you this, because we keep hearing the same thing, that San Diego is in the market for Noah Syndergaard. Obviously, being New York guys, uh, we pay a lot of attention to East Coast baseball, American League baseball in particular. How close is San Diego to being a playoff team that they would be in the market for a guy like Noah Syndergaard? I think part of it is the control that Syndergaard's under. I think he's under control for uh, at least one more year after 2019. So um, that's part of it. And we've seen in the past that the the Padres aren't afraid to spend money. I mean, we saw it with Will Myers. We saw it with Eric Hosmer. Um, they aren't afraid to, to put some money out there. I mean, how much money is the question, but they're not afraid to spend. I, I think you look at that division and the Diamondbacks are a really weird team because every year they look like they can contend with their lineup. And uh, between Paul Goldschmidt, who's one of the best players in baseball, and, and Zach Greinke, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball. And every year we hear that they're willing to trade either one or both of those guys, which is very strange. You look at the Dodgers and you think they're they're still young. Maybe they can still compete. Uh, the Rockies, the rumors that they want to trade Nolan Arenado. So who knows what they're going to do? They might blow it up. And you look at the Giants, who are a team that they're in, they're in a state of flux right now. You have Farhan Zaidi in there now, who's might be blowing it up. He might be trading a few guys off. We'll see what they do. But the Padres, with their farm system, by a lot of rankings, they're a top three system in Major League Baseball. They have a ton of blue chip talent. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. is a guy that he's in top 10 in most uh, prospect rankings in Major League Baseball. I've seen him as high as five and, and higher. Um, so they have a lot of players there that they can make noise. And with how young baseball is getting, you saw it with the Braves last season, you saw it with the Phillies, with how young baseball is getting and that young talent, they're not afraid to play them. You know, who knows if they can make some noise, especially in the NL West, which is a division that I think is pretty weak. And you saw that this year. Nobody really wanted to take control of it. So. I think the Padres are closer than people think. I still think they're a year away from maybe really challenging for a wild card, but I, I do think that they're closer than people think. Uh, a lot of people don't talk about them because they are in San Diego. Uh, but yeah, I do think that they need that top of the rotation guy, which is why it makes sense to go out and look at a Noah Syndergaard. MIBI Sports Talk here with Joe Rivera, the Sporting News. Joe, uh, Patrick Corbin met with the Yankees a couple days ago. Um, nothing seemed to come of it at first, but there's some rumblings out there. Um, we actually, I, Stack Guy Rye saw a uh, Twitter, uh, sorry, Reddit source out there who claims the Yankees have a handshake agreement in place. Any any merit to that? Have you have you heard anything? Are the Yankees the real favorite for Patrick Corbin? Uh, in your opinion, right now? I think they are, and, and I think that all you need, aside from sources, is how Hal Steinbrenner was saying earlier in the postseason that pitching, pitching, pitching is going to be their goal. Um, Patrick Corbin is probably the best free agent starter on the market, and you know people can debate Patrick Corbin's career all they want, but the truth is he had one very good year, and that was in 2018. Everything before that has been a mixed bag. So um, he's 29 years old, so he's in the middle of his prime, uh, he's probably going to get a five or six year deal. That'll put him right at 35 years old, 120 to $140 million. You'd expect. I don't really think anybody else is serious. We, we hear the story. Corbin wants to be a Yankee. His family he's from long Island. His family are, are all Yankee fans. And I think the Yankees value that. And the guy who wants to be in New York, who wants to pitch here. I think that 
there are certain guys that want to be a Yankee, but they didn't, they didn't grow up Yankee fans. They didn't grow up Yankee guys, but they want to use the Yankee machine for their brand. And I really don't get that sense from Corbin. I think that he's a guy that wants to be in New York. He wants to be a New Yorker. He grew up watching this team. So I, I don't think it's a done deal yet. I think the Phillies are still in on him. Um, he makes a lot of sense with the Phillies. Maybe as a three there. Uh, Aaron Nola, he, he's an ace by all, by all accounts. But uh, they're going to need a guy behind behind him for the future. And I think Arietta's is good. He had a pretty good year with them. Velocity was up and down, but I think Corbin slots in as a nice number two for them in the future. So we'll see uh, how much the Phillies are willing to spend. Their owner said that they're going to get quote stupid with their money. Uh, I think that he, I think Corbin's going to be a Yankee at the end of the day. It does make sense for, for both sides. He's a lefty. He's, he's got good stuff. Uh, even though you, you kind of throw the track record out the window, if you're looking at just 2018 and beyond, as if this is the real Patrick Corbin. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. I think that it's going to happen. We saw the writing on the wall for a while. Uh, the trade rumors were there this year between the Diamondbacks and the Yankees. So um, now that he's a free agent, I think it makes a lot of sense for both for both sides. It's just a question of how much he's going to be making. All right, Joe. So if Corbin comes to the Yankees, he's going to have to throw the ball to somebody. And again, these rumors that there might be a Real Muto for Sanchez swap uh, creeped up again uh, this week. Uh, I think it's the height of stupidity for the Yankees to trade Gary Sanchez for JTL, uh, JT Real Muto. I wanted to get your take on it. Am I wrong in saying that? Is there really is there smoke? Uh, to this rumor here, you know, give us your take on, is this something that the Yankees are really discussing with Miami? Uh, just let's go through that there for a quick second. You know, I, I don't know when Yankees Twitter became, uh, became the GM for the Yankees. Cause that sounds like a move that they would make. Uh, exactly. You know, I, I, I gotta be honest here. I'm, I, and, and I've argued with Yankee fans all year about this on Twitter, but we got to stop with the trade Gary Sanchez nonsense. And I'm going to put it as plainly as that Gary Sanchez is a guy. We saw what he did. In 2017, but Joe, you don't care about the pass. Joe, the pass balls, though. Joe, the pass balls. And and I've made this argument too. Uh, Jorge Posada led the pass, led the league in pass balls five times in his career. Joe, he was an Uh, he was Joe. I'm sorry, I don't want to mean to cut you off, but Jorge Posada was an atrocious defensive catcher. But everybody loves him, right? So that's exact. That's that's, and they love Jorge Posada because he was a staple of four championship teams. Um, he always played with fire, which is something, let's be honest, you don't always see with Gary Sanchez. When when he's not playing well, then you, he wears it on his sleeve. Uh, when he's playing great, then he's energetic. He's in the game. You see him fired up on the base pass behind the plate. We all see that. But um, And and again, let's, let's be honest about this. Jorge Posada in Major League Baseball history, I need to run the numbers on this again, but he is by and far the worst catcher by defensive run save in Major League Baseball history. So, and, and the Yankees were a team that won with him. So I really think that all the defensive stuff with Gary Sanchez is totally overblown. Uh, listen, I'm not going to defend him all the way. He's got to come into spring training in shape next year. He's got to work at his craft. I think that he obviously has a cannon for an arm. He's going to have to work closely with his pitchers. This is just a bad year for him all the way around. But guys are allowed to have bad years. Uh, and when you consider how good of a year the Yankees had, with how bad Gary Sanchez was, imagine how good they'll be in 2019 if he's even half of what he was in 2017. There's a lot of numbers there for you, but I really think that we got to stop with just trade Gary Sanchez nonsense. I don't really think the Yankees are considering trading him with the way that Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner have come out publicly to support him. 
JT Realmuto is a great, great all-around catcher. He's probably the best in Major League Baseball defensively and offensively all around. But if you're telling me that I can get 30 home runs behind the plate um, with average defense, I will take that any any day of the week, any day of the week, twice on Sunday. I really would. Um, I who knows? Maybe the Yankees talk with with the Marlins. They've obviously done uh, business in the past with John Carlos Stanton, but I don't see a world where he's going to be the Yankee next year, and, and especially not for a straight swap uh, for Gary Sanchez and prospects. I just don't see that happening at all. Joe, you know what I'm almost as sick of talking about as as much as the Gary Sanchez stuff, Machado, okay. and, Machado and Harper, because yeah. it's like one, it's like one day we we think they're coming to the Yankees, the next we think Harper's going to. Are the Yankees in or out on Machado and Harper? Are do you see any scenario where they sign both? where they sign one again, we're hearing more rumblings now that the Harper thing could be more of a reality than we were led on to believe. If not the Yankees, where else do you see these, these two guys landing? You know, I think I've said it before. Um, Machado, I think is almost a lot to be a Yankee. It just makes too much sense. Uh, Signing Machado gives the Yankees so much versatility in the infield. Um, If you want to play him at shortstop. And I wrote about this, uh, on sporting news, uh, maybe a month ago, but the Yankees are number one on the, on the list that make the most sense. If you want to play him at shortstop while Didi's out, you can keep Andrew Hart at third. You can keep Torres at second. Uh, you figure out first base. That makes a lot of sense. If you sign Machado, uh, you, you can play third base. You can move Torres to shortstop while Didi's out and you figure out second base in the future. Um, and then you can use Andrew Hart as trade bait if you really want to go there. Um, it just gives them so many different levels of flexibility is what they can do. Um, and he's still young. What worries you is, is I'm not going to even, even mention the H word because I'm so sick of hearing about it. Um, all Machado did was say what we all see every time we watch a baseball that's exactly game. exactly what that's I said, guys Joe. Don't hustle um, 100% of the time. That's just fact. And, and I understand that we're going to get on him for that. Some people are going to get on him for that. But all he did was say what we all see from – 95% of major league ball players. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. So uh, again, I think that it's all overblown. Uh, if you look at his comments in context, um, if you look at his comments in context, he, he essentially said when he didn't, when he didn't run out that ground ball, he said, listen, I'm trying to hit a home run on the three Oh count. Uh, I'm very, very upset. And before I even leave the batter batter's box, it's in the shortstop's glove. You want me to, to run out to first base and be happy with myself? No. So I think that he's very honest in his assessment. Uh, I'm not going to defend him all the way because, sure, there are times where he should be running harder. But, again, he just said what we all see from most major league ball players, and I don't understand why we're killing, for it, killing him for it. And if you want to take it a step further to branch this into Harper, Bryce Harper is a guy that's been benched three different times by three different managers for lack of hustle. Yet, for some reason, Yankee fans are really in on the Harper hustles all the time, boat, and that makes zero sense to me. I just want him because he's a lefty Harper. hitter. That's, that's yeah, basically what Yeah, and, and, was, and listen, Harper makes a ton of sense for them uh, in a lot of different ways. And I think that signing him would be a slam dunk. I don't know. I, I, listen, I don't think the Yankees are going to spend $300 million. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a $300 million payroll come opening day, I need to say. But he's a lefty hitter. Uh, I think he's athletic enough to play first base. Um, and if he's a disaster at first base, then you can play him in left field. And then, and then you can use Clint Frazier if he's healthy as trade bait. Uh, Brett Gardner becomes your fourth outfielder. That makes a lot of sense. And then maybe you can swing a trade for a first baseman. Um, 
later in the uh, later in the uh, the season. So uh, I do think that there is a world where Bryce Harper is a Yankee. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I think that's it's a total possibility. I think Machado was more likely to be a Yankee, but um, I don't think Harper's out, out of it yet. And, and again, Harper's the same thing as Corbin. He's the guy that wants to be a Yankee. So I, I think that counts for something, um, first for the Steinbrenner family and for Brian Cashman. All right, Joe. So yesterday, uh, I believe that the Indians traded their catcher, Jan Gomes. Uh, so... It brings up more rumors of if they are actually going to trade any more pieces off that team. Uh, you keep hearing the names Kluber, Carrasco, and uh, Trevor Bauer. Are the, Indi- are the Indians going to end up trading one of those three guys? I think they will. Um, Carrasco's the guy with the best, I, I think, of the three. I think he's got the best stuff, but health is always a question. But um, Bauer, I think, is the most likely to go. I think they like Kluber too much and what he's meant to that team. It's, it's real weird to me, man. The Indians are a very, very weird team to me. Uh, we saw what they did this season winning the division, but that division was horrid outside of them. And even at times they struggled in that division. I understand that you can't really, uh, you, you can only play who's in, on your schedule. You can only play the team across from you, but they were a terrible team against teams outside of their division. And uh, that's not just the really good teams like the Yankees and the and the A's and the Boston's and the Houston's of the world. That that's against everybody. They had a record about 15 to 20 games over 500 in their division, but they were like 10 to 15 games under 500 outside of it. So, um, yeah, I think that they're going to trade off one of these guys. I think they're so confident that they can win that division. And when you're looking at it top to bottom, I mean, the White Sox are a team that's on the up and up, at least when it comes to their talent, but. I don't think they're going to challenge that division yet. The Twins just fired their manager, and they're in a state of flux. Who knows what they're going to be? Um, and the other two teams in that division, I'm just, I'm just not buying. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think the uh, the Indians are probably best suited there uh, to win that division, even if they trade one of these guys off. And they could probably fetch decent prospects back too. But uh, one of them will probably go. I'd say Bowers most likely. Maybe a team like Atlanta who needs pitching a little bit of pitching help. That makes a lot of sense. I don't think that he would come to the Yankees. I think the Yankees Yankees fans would take to him kind of weird too. So we'll see how it works out. I do think that they're going to trade one of them. I think Bauer's most likely to go, followed by Carrasco and then Kluber, uh, probably least likely to go. Joe, I'm going to preface this next question by saying you are still allowed to answer the New York Mets, okay? Because we want to know who's the dork. Who's the dark dork? I'm a you're a dork. Who's the dark horse team? That's looking to make a big splash in the free agent trade market. And here's why I said you're still allowed to say the New York Mets because this Cano thing, it was a big deal for them, but that's not a big splash to me. This is a setup for a big splash. If they're going to keep, if they're going to make this move, they need to make another big one to follow it up. So I would say they're still on the table for, for your answer to that question. Whew. Uh, I think the Mets are definitely the dorks. Uh, we'll go there. But, um, <laughs> definitely yeah. the dorks. No, Thank uh, God this is an fair. NYM sports talk. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, and I mentioned this with the A's before. If this was an NYM sports talk, I definitely would, uh, would say the Mets. But uh, <laughs> I would say the Yankees are the dorks. But, uh, you know, I, I, play to your, I play to your audience. That's how you got to uh, do it. You know, <laughs> I need the Twitter followers, man. It's like Mick Foley, but, um, right? He always pops the town that he's in. That's what you do. That's it. That's it. The thumbs up and the missing kick and everything. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I do think the Mets. The Mets are a really interesting team, man. If they're willing to open the checkbook, and we've seen it in the past that they are. 
Um, we they obviously don't spend every year. They don't operate like a team that's in New York every year. Um, but they do spend money. They spend money on on Cespedes and his deal. Um, they spend money on Carlos Beltran. I know we're going way back, and they spend mega contracts on some guys before. Uh, I think that Brody Van Wagenen, new GM there, is he's chomping at the bit to really to really make his name. And I think we saw that with the with the Robinson Cano trade. And again, it depends on the money that's coming back, but. If the Mets, apparently they love Bryce Harper, man, um, which is a really, really interesting thing. I think that he fits in their outfield, at least while Cespedes is out. He makes a lot of sense for them. He's a star. I think he would be good for them. I think the fan base would love him. Uh, He goes from trolling them 20 times a year to playing with them 20 times a year. Um, And if it's not, if it's not the Mets, I think you're looking at the Braves. I don't really think they're a dark horse per se, because a lot of these teams that are, that are ready to contend, there are teams that they were there before ready to spend money. There were teams that kind of uh, made splashes already and, and announced their presence. But I think the Mets are probably top there. We'll see what they spend, but shedding some of the contracts there and, and, and kind of and strangling the, the uh, Mariners for how much money they're going to get back on Canel tells me that they're either getting ready for a big move or they're still uh, keeping their eyes on uh, some of these guys who, whose price might drop even a little bit. And I think it makes a lot of sense. I mentioned a guy like Harper makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, and I think that he turns that team from, you know, maybe they're ready to compete for a wild card to they're definitely going to compete for a wild card and probably the division. And and to Brody Van Wagenen's credit here, we don't know if this Cano thing is going to handcuff them. Um, they did get Diaz as well. So, I mean, that's a huge pickup for them. But regardless, he, every, a lot of people are hung up on Cano's contract and, and his age. Regardless of that, you finally have a GM that just that that backed up everything he said, and regardless of everything else, he just made the Mets better. And I think you have to look at it like that right now. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And and Brody's a guy that he didn't mince words. I think uh, I was I was probably one of the more critical people uh, of the hiring, to be honest, because I looked at it as as really unethical. I don't think anybody's talking about that. I mean, he goes from being an agent to, to being a GM. And we've seen that in the past, Dave Stewart, we've seen it with Rick Hahn, but those are two guys that spent time in front offices before uh, being elevated to general manager. Rick Hahn uh, with the White Sox was um, with, with the White Sox for, for 10 years before he was elevated to, to uh, assistant GM. So he at least had time uh, to grow into that role to kind of shed some of that. But Van Wagenen went right from being uh, an agent to being a general manager. And this is a guy that knows everything about uh, his, his former, his former clients. He knows who's hurt, who's hiding injuries. He knows everything, personal life. Uh, if these guys are alcoholics, you know, he didn't, he knows everything about these teams. So uh, about these players. So I think it, it was highly unethical, but uh, apparently the Mets are letting him, control this thing now. And I think that's a smart thing to do. The Wolpons can't get involved here. They have to let uh, Van Wagenen do his job. They can't, uh, they, they kind of just have to give him the keys to the kingdom because I think we've seen what the Wolpons in the past, the more they get involved, uh, the more the team kind of suffers. So if they give Van Wagenen the keys to the, the keys to the castle, if they give him the keys to the car, then um, that makes a lot of sense for them to do. And I think that with this first move, it's unpopular but it definitely makes them better right now, especially with Diaz, who uh, he had a mix, a little bit of mixed results before last season, but he was still in the league closer in 2019. Uh, sorry, in 2018. So moving forward, having a guy under team control for four seasons 
um, that does make a lot of sense for the Mets who, who have been hurting in the back end of that bullpen. And Cano, I mentioned before, he's a big bat. So, yeah, I think that um, he did make them better right now. Uh, you know, it's again, it's an unpopular move, especially trading away uh, Kalenic, who's some people are calling him potential superstar, uh, but he's still got to prove that. So, yeah, it's a move that they made. It makes a lot of sense for them. Um, it makes them better now. So we'll see what they are uh, in 2019. Uh, Joe, since we've been talking about uh, the Mets a lot in this interview, you can answer the Mets for this next question also. Uh, uh, yesterday, Craig Kimbrell kind of got laughed at a little bit in social media. Uh, his agent was telling, apparently telling teams that he wants a six-year deal uh, going forward. Honestly, what's a realistic deal for Craig Kimbrell, uh, and where do you think he winds up? And do you think the team that ends up getting him makes him stop doing the stupid uh a hand out the window BS that he does. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure that they're going to be able to write any clauses into his contract for that. Uh, I also don't think that um, he's going to be using that arm to sign a six-year deal. I just don't <laughs> see it happening. No. Uh, I think that I think it's one of those things that he, he's shooting for the moon and, and hopes he lands um, somewhere around there. But I don't see a six-year deal with how volatile closers and relievers in general are year to year. Um, and a guy like and, and Kimbrell, who struggled at times in the postseason, we saw it. Um, it's tough to see him getting a six-year deal. I mean, he's still young enough. He's 30, so it's not like he's, he's 34 and getting a six-year deal. He is 30 years old, so it'll end him right when he's 36. He's not 34 looking for a deal until he's 40. So I think his age does help him. You know, where he goes, that's the question, man. Um, I think the Cubs could definitely use him. I don't know if the Cubs are willing to spend the money. Uh, I think the Braves could certainly use him. Uh, he started his career there. So I think that if they're looking for the bullpen help there, I think that definitely helps. Uh, you know, even the Astros, the Astros are, uh, they need help in the bullpen too. Uh, that was kind of their weak point in, in 2018. Um, they have obviously the great rotation, but they need more bullpen help. That's just the way that the game is going. So those are three teams I think that make a lot of sense. Can you go to San Diego so I don't have to look at them anymore? Yeah, please. I'm sorry. Can he go to San Diego so I don't have to look at him anymore? Yeah, that would be, uh, yeah, and his beard, right? His weird leprechaun oh. beard. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what's with the look. Uh, uh, maybe he'll sign with the Yankees. They'll force him to shave it off. Ugh. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It, I don't see him getting six years. I really don't, uh, especially if he's going to be asking for 15 to $18 million a year. I just don't see that. Uh, I'm not sure teams are going to be willing to pay that much for Kimbrell. He's been up and down in his career. So uh, maybe four years would make more sense i think that's probably where he'll end up um we'll see where he goes though i don't i don't i don't see him staying in the al east i don't see him i don't see the, the red Sox re-signing him um he helped them win a championship he was there for a few seasons but uh yeah i don't know i don't think he goes back to boston i think probably the cubs are probably the best fit for him joe quick hits on five players that we're going to give you right now i don't want you to think too hard about him i want gut reaction here all right I want to know. I want to know where you think these guys are going to end up. First up, D. Rob David Robertson, Boston. Wow, I heard I that didn't, today. Really, yeah. I didn't hear that. He lives yeah. in Rhode Island. So. I, I really think that. I, I think that. Um, he sees. He, I think he's around Rhode Island. He has a home in Rhode Island. They need veteran help in that bullpen. I think he's going to come pretty cheap, which is what they need. Um, and I, I think that you know it's going to suck for Yankee fans. To You're going to puke the first that, time but, you see David Robinson yeah. in a Red Sox uniform. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I'm puking and, and right now has, thinking yeah, about it. It's got to be tough in the in the Red Sox, but uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Boston. Andrew, I don't know if I can stay healthy anymore. Miller, the Mets. Ooh, 
Okay. I think you... I think he I think he makes a lot of sense there too. Uh, he's a again he he's going to come relatively cheap. Uh, he had some some health issues over the last two years, but they need help in that bullpen. And I think that that's uh, those are two things between the cost and between what they need. It makes a lot of sense. Nathan Avaldi. Ooh. Um, Can you just say the Yankees, please? Yeah, I think you know it's funny because they're on the tip of my tongue, and, and I'm having a hard time saying it. But I think he'll he. It does make sense for both sides uh, to give him another arm in the bullpen and, and to maybe be that kind of swing starter when they need it. Because uh, when you look at their farm system, I mean, I don't think they're really trusting Chance Adams right now. Justice Sheffield is gone. Uh, and, and with CC Sabathia's health, uh, I think that they do need that kind of six-arm kind of guy. And, and being that he did pitch well in spurts with the Yankees before, uh, depending on the price, I think he makes a lot of sense. But Joe, but Joe. You take a guy who did what this guy did in twenty eight in the twenty eighteen postseason. You you get him here, and then you tell him he's a bullpen arm. Well, he did, he did come out of the bullpen three straight times in in the World Series. So, um, you know, if he's looking for starter money, I don't think he's going to get it. I just think his his arm his injury history is just too great. Let's not forget that he did deal with injuries with Tampa Bay at the beginning of this season. So. Um, I, I think teams, even seeing what he did with Boston, um, it's tough for me to say that he's really going to get starter money and he's going to get the money that he's looking for. I just have a hard time seeing that. Adam Odovino. Odovino? Odovino? Otovino. Otovino. Tomato, tomato. Tomato, tomato. Adam Odovino. Can you Braves. say the Yankees for this one? Yeah, oh, I think. Come on. Come on, Joe. Braves. Come on, Joe. Same. Again, I think the Braves need a lot. I think they need a fair amount of bullpen help, and I think that uh, they're willing to, to pay now to try and keep the Phillies and the Nationals away. But the Yankees, if the price drops enough, I think he, he would make a lot of sense for the Yankees too. But I think the Braves probably are the best fit for him. All right, last up, our old buddy J.A. Happ likes to be called J. Happ. That's why I call <laughs> him J.A. Happ. Uh, where does he end up? <sighs> Oof. He could end up. He could end up back up back with the Yankees. Um, this is all. This is all assuming. Th- this is all assuming the Yankees aren't signing Corbin. Or you think that could still yeah, happen even assuming, if they do? I think that's assuming. Just gut reaction. Um, assuming that the Yankees don't sign Corbin again. He's a lefty. He pitched very well um, in the AL East before. If not the Yankees, then I, I think Oakland actually makes a ton of sense. Um, they they saw tons of injuries last year. Hap is a pretty, he, he's a pretty um, durable guy. He's a lefty, which they, you know, everybody needs lefties. Um, and I think that if Oakland's really going to challenge for that division, then they're going to need veteran presence like Hap. And I think that he does bring that to a team. Just being in the Yankees clubhouse this year, um, he's a pro's pro. And I think that um, he would definitely help a team like Oakland. And again, Oakland, they do spend money when it makes sense for them. Obviously, they're known for money ball and everything, but... Um, I think that if the player makes sense, if the situation's right, then I think Billy Bean and David Force aren't afraid to, to open up the checkbook to sign a guy. So uh, I'm probably 0 for 5 on these, if I have to guess, <laughs> but uh, I think Hap, Hap does make a lot of sense for Oakland. Tell me, tell me real quick, if you, th- if you think I'm off base here, I see Jay Hap signing really late. To, to wherever he goes. I think he's going to want way too much money. And I I just think that if he's not going to end up with the Yankees, I think he's going to be a guy that, that signs fairly late in, in the offseason, if not into spring training. You know, I, it's tough for me to answer that question. And, and here's why. I think when you look at what happened last season, 
um, and, and what happened with free agency with what happened uh, <laughs> uh, free agency last season. Um, it's tough for me to say because every time someone signed last season, you said, okay, this is the signing that's going to open the floodgates. So um, I don't think Hap is going to be looking for too much, maybe $14, 15000000 million a year. Given his age, I don't think anybody would be willing to spend more than that. Uh, if they do, that would be uh, pretty surprising to me, even for a lefty with, with some velocity and life still left in his arm. But we've seen that he's, he's really a six-inning guy. Uh, he's not going to go deep into games. He's not going to give you complete games on the regular. So I, I'd, I'd certainly hope that – I mean, listen, it's, it's their collectively bargain right to ask for as much money as they want. But it's tough for me to say that he's going to be really looking for for an eighteen to twenty million dollar deal per year. Just that doesn't make sense for anybody. Not at that stage in his career. Hey Joe, let me ask you one last question here. Becky, Charlotte, and Oscar in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Come on, bro, you got to be excited for that. It's hard for me to get excited about anything WWE anymore, man. Um, I think just like Batman and Dark Knight Rises, they've finally broken my back. I, I can't. <laughs> that uh, it, that it's bad? So hard. It, yeah, it is. It is so hard for me to get excited about anything, even NXT, man. And NXT has been uh, going gangbusters for forever, ever since I started watching it. But uh, I'm on the verge of canceling my, my network now. Um, it, it's just, it's tough for me to see. And here's the, uh, without going too much into it, but it's tough for me to, to look at what happens in NXT and, and the talent that they have in NXT and say, Triple H is getting this right every week, every single freaking week. Every takeover is is riddled with four-star matches, but the wrestling quality, the storylines, everything is amazing. And then to see what happens on the main product, uh, some of these guys leave NXT and they go to the main product and they flounder and they fizzle out. It's just, I, I don't understand it. It's way too commercialized. Uh, I think Stephanie, I don't like to take things personally that uh, some of these people say, but Stephanie's saying, at the press conference a couple months ago, we listened to these fans. We listened to our fans as really slap in the face of, of anybody that complains like I do, um, because we know that's just not the case. Joe, I never thought I could, I could honestly like you more than I than I do already until the words "I'm canceling my WWE subscription" came out of your mouth just now. <laughs> well, you know what? That that's fair. If you want to uh, take my address down and send me some uh, Christmas presents for that that sacrifice, you know, uh, I think uh, I would greatly appreciate that. But, Joe, but uh, you hate Christmas. Yeah. We had this conversation yesterday. I don't hate Christmas. <laughs> I don't hate. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna argue over Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer until the cows come home. I'll tell you that. But, Please uh, tell me you at no, least hate a Christmas story. Hate. The movie A Christmas Story. It is my I most. Do. It's my most hated movie wow. of all time. I think. Absolutely, absolutely, the most overrated. Christian's turning. Christian's turning uh, red right now. Joe, you're never. You are officially banned from coming on the NYY Sports Talk podcast. You hate wrestling now. You hate. You hate a Christmas story. You're agreeing. You're turning into Chris. I is love what's it. happening. I love everything about you right now. I, you know, I try not to be a Grinch this time of year. I mean, listen, I, I love Christmas. I think Christmas is great. Um, it's hard to. Everything that comes with Christmas is fantastic. The eggnog, the presents, you know, the whole joy thing, all that stuff. But I think that. Um, we need to tone it down a bit. Uh, you know, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is, is horrific, uh, the message that it sends. Um, Elf is totally overrated. I'm, I'm so sick of hearing and seeing about Elf. Uh, uh, but listen, Jingle All the Way, my favorite Christmas movie of all time. I watched it last night. It's, it gets funnier every time. Um, but yeah, I, I think that uh, Rudolph, we'll, we'll, Christian and I will argue about Rudolph forever <laughs> in a day. Um, 
and we'll probably never see eye to eye on that. Probably not. Joe, you're breaking my heart, but we still love you. <laughs> uh, we thank you for coming on, spending about 45 minutes with us on a Saturday night. So I don't know who's uh, who's worse, uh, us or you. you. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I got to, and listen, in the spirit of Christmas, I actually just pulled in from Christmas shopping to be on with you guys. So oh, we really that, appreciate that is my, that. That is my Christmas gift to you. What did you say? You, you bought us Christmas gifts and then you got not, home and came not. on the podcast? Maybe maybe next year. You guys, maybe uh, for episode 100, I'll send you guys something. Ooh, special. I like that. It's around the corner. Uh, Joe, thank you very much. Uh, we'll touch base uh, later on in the off season. If we don't speak, have a very Merry Christmas, uh, you and your family. Have a wonderful New Year, and uh, you know we'll touch base uh, down the road. We'll argue guys, about more so things that we hate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> guys, thanks so much for having me on. Same to you, yours, and your listeners. Uh, even though it's been a fun year of pissing off Yankee fans, uh, <laughs> I do appreciate all of them, uh, even the ones that love Ronald Torreya. So thanks again, guys. <laughs> At least we agree on that, Joe. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Take care. All right, that was Joe Rivera of the Sporting News. Uh, you can follow Joe on Twitter at uh, I Hate Christmas. You can follow Joe on Twitter at uh, I'll Never Be Asked to Be on the MIYSD podcast ever again from Christian because now he, I don't think you like him that much anymore. I don't know. Jim. He was your boy. He like, was. He just kind of. He just kind of stabbed you. You in know, the back. it was like uh, in Rocky Five. It was like you know, home team. And now I feel like we're in a visitor dugout now. You wow. Know? Maybe yeah. I like Joe still. So I know now. Now you and him have something that. Oh, uh, me guys... and Joe are tight. Yeah, me and Joe are tight. You don't even know. We text all the time. All right, so uh, that should wrap up episode 87, unless you two jerk-offs have anything that you want to talk, <laughs> <laughs> talk about. I'm, I'm good, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right. Thank you for listening to the NYY Sports Talk podcast. Uh, Joe's real Twitter handle is at Joe Rivera SN. Please follow him. Uh, also, please follow us at NYY Sports Talk. Uh, the winter meetings are a week away, so a lot of news is going to be breaking in the next couple of days here. Uh, we're going to stay on top of it. And if you want to stay on top of it, make sure you follow us. Uh, Stack Guy Rye. Go Yanks. Oh, that's it? I don't want to say it anymore. All right, you know what? But, I'm giving you a chance to right, do right, something right, different right, in the offseason. Okay, off-season. I got an idea. All right, okay. Go Yanks. Chris. <laughs> Say goodbye. <laughs>